0: What is up, everybody? Will Vance here, Managing Editor Magnetic Magazine and the host of this podcast, Magnetic Meaning. Sorry for the unannounced hiatus over the holidays. Uh, my wife and I moved into a new house and setting up this whole new studio during such a busy time of year was just too much for me to handle. But we are back up to full speed with a fantastic lineup of episodes and interviews for you to start off 2013 on the right footing. And the first of these interviews is with Monster Cat Silk's Jacob Henry. Jacob has been involved on the a side of Silk Music pretty much since day one, and seeing as the label's about to celebrate their 15-year anniversary, it's safe to say that this guy has been doing his thing for a while now. Full disclosure, I have known him for a while too. Jacob and I go back roughly four or five years or so, I kind of lost track after year three, when I was hustling and bustling to figure out a way to get my foot in the door in the music industry. And I used to write liner notes and track descriptions for all of Silk Music's releases. Jacob always gave hands on feedback for that, and it really helped shape my earliest days as a writer. In this industry, I guess this is all just a roundabout way of saying that this guy's honesty, clarity in communication, and genuine humbleness are some of his shining superpowers as a human being, which make him the perfect guy to come to the table and talk about the word transparency in the music industry. But before we dive into that, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the sponsor of this episode, Point Blank Online. Point Blank is an elite caliber music school with campuses in LA, London, and everywhere else online. If you're looking to step your game up in production and music industry acumen overall, point blank is my first and obvious choice so check out what they do and how they can help you crush your goals this year by heading over to pointblankmusicschool.com now let's dive into transparency with monster cat silks jacob henry Welcome back everybody we are back with another episode of Magnetic Meanings podcast the podcast where we talk about words and the music industry and the intersection of both and the people who inhabit the music industry and the effects of the words have on them and their careers on this episode we are here with Jacob Henry who was the founder and head honcho at silk music and helped orchestrate uh, the collaboration the merger of monster cat silk which is now one of the biggest and most influential completely indie record labels in the electronic music space Jacob did I introduce you right. Did I miss anything? Take it away.
1: That was a beautiful introduction, but I do need to give credit where credit's due. Uh, technically, I am not the founder of Silk. Um, that, that distinction belongs to Max Flyant. It was historically, at least, based out of Moscow, Russia. Um, he started the label with several college friends back in roughly the end of 2007. And then we put out our very first release, January 7th, 2008. Um, But yeah, uh, Max was and still is very close friends with a wonderful artist on Silk who calls himself Mango. You might recognize the name because he continues to put out great music. He has his own label himself now called Mango Alley. The the vision of Silk was basically to build a label around Mango's sound, which is this incredibly atmospheric, melodic, beautiful style of, I guess you could say, progressive-leaning house music. Basically, all the guys out there in, in Russia, and as well as myself, were influenced by the likes of BT and Chicane and Robert Miles, some of those legends from the, from the mid to late 90s, who at least who started their careers at that time, and that really influenced our sound. And um, I ended up connecting with Max and a few other guys out there, including uh, Misha Alexiev, who is still our graphic designer, either at the very end of 2007 or at the very beginning of 2008, right after Silk put out its first release, which included a track by Mango. So that's the backstory. And um, yeah, I've, I've been with Silk for, for nearly 15 years now, um, but owe, owe a lot to that crew in, in Russia for having the initial vision of the label. Um, Max is my partner in crime on the A&R side. Every demo that comes through to us is is reviewed by Max. He's, he's the absolute like first line of evaluation for every, every demo. And then what we typically do is if Max enjoys a track or feels like it might, might be suitable for Silk, if it fits the aesthetic, we then have a conference where we evaluate the song together. And that's the second and final filter for a song to be approved for Silk. Um, so I'm just really proud of the fact that we've maintained our fre- friendship and professional relationship and, and also proud of Monster Cat for not only acquiring Silk, but you know, having the vision to bring on the core team of the label that are still you know present to this day.
0: You know, this is the Magnetic Meaning podcast, after all, where we talk about kind of one specific word and how it relates to the music industry and to artists and to kind of those who work in the music industry, right? So, what word are you going to be bringing to the table on this episode? I've chosen the word transparency. But why is that word kind yeah. of impacting your life? Out of all the words in the English language,
1: well, it's a word that I often use in my in in my communication with colleagues, with artists. Um, I use it in my personal life to talk when I talk to my partner. Uh, about what I think is necessary for us to have a positive relationship, and then I, I gave it a, a quick, you know, Wikipedia search, and um, I found this great, uh, you know, definition as the first, the first sentence or so of the entry there, and it says it's an ethic that spans science, engineering, business, and the humanities. Transparency is operating in such a way that it's easy for others to see what actions are performed, and this is the key point for me. Transparency implies openness, communication, and accountability. And those three associated terms of openness and communication and accountability to me couldn't be more at the integral and at the heart of what it means to be successful, at the very least, as an AR, which is my job at Silk, is to lead conversations with musicians around music, around the process of signing that music, providing notes. Aligning expectations, which I think we'll talk more about today, and and committing to a policy of candor and openness and and sort of proactive communication and accountability in that that process of serving the artist and making sure the artist has a great experience with the label. So I I feel like transparency really encompasses quite a few key sort of skills and points that are integral to being successful in the space.
0: Yeah. And that's a good point. Like, you know, obviously we had a small email chat about this word kind of going into it. And I was really excited that this is the word that you kind of chose, right? Because I think that in the music industry, especially from people who are just starting out or people from the outside looking in, there's just so many stories about how there's like the music industry is riddled with with shysters and backstabbers and self-servers and everything like that. And like, I've been working in the music industry at least full time for three or four years now. So I'm still kind of just getting into it. But the more that I get into it, the people that I end up working with and the people that I resonate with and just a lot of the people overall that I end up meeting are really good people. They love the music. They are incredibly like transparent with all of the stuff that they're doing. So why do you think the music industry has such a reputation of not being transparent? And how have you found success in the music industry being
1: transparent? Well, it, it is, it's, com- it's complicated and very difficult to maintain that standard. Uh, for a variety of reasons, the standard of transparency, again, implying accountability, openness, and positive communication, because it, it's not a, jo- a job that really has clear boundaries in terms of a nine to five schedule. In fact, as you're, as you know, well, already will, because you're an artist yourself, a lot of artists much prefer to work at night and in some cases prefer to work on weekends. And there's a lot of anxiety around getting answers to how, you know, how are we feeling about a song? How are we feeling about how a release is doing from a marketing perspective? And so it's, 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 it's very much the standard for ARs like myself to get hit with messages, literally all hours of the day. Add to the fact that we have, we have artists from all corners of the globe. It's very much an international culture. So know in the defense of the artists for them it might be the heart of a traditional work day but for me it could be one in the morning or two in the morning when i get that message or that email so i think when we're since labels like monster cat put out a large quantity of music consistently right we're talking about multiple releases per week across our brands it's very difficult to maintain that standard of proactive communication constantly being there at the ready to reply to questions and comments. And so I think a lot of labels, whether they're conscious of it or not, just sort of naturally slip into a much more sort of passive and reactive protocol. They're not being necessarily hypersensitive to the urgency that an artist may feel for example or another industry contact or peer may feel to get an answer because in order to maintain that standard it just feels like just too exhausting and too taxing to kind of be up to up to to speed with that level of of communication and um i think the other another big side of it is that to take accountability requires a, a huge amount of grit and and fortitude you know to on on both sides sure it's great to to trumpet your your accomplishments and that always feels very positive and fulfilling to you know announce big wins to your to your your team and to artists when they happen but the flip side of that coin is that if you're maintaining that standard universally you're also sharing disappointments you're sharing concerns about songs you're about expectations not being met and i think that it's very easy to slip into a, a strategy of well let's you know Let's give the minimum in terms of information. Let's give, you know, only need to know kind of details about how a campaign is going to be run and what we're expecting. And then if there's any concerns later on or any sort of reactive down the road complaints, then we can address them then, as opposed to kind of predicting that they might happen and then kind of nipping, you know, nipping it at the bud early on.
0: Yeah. And so I can only imagine that most of the listeners who are kind of ch- tuning into the, to the podcast, most of them are... I would imagine, producers and artists and stuff like that, right? So do you have any advice uh, for them from an artist perspective on maybe setting expectations with a label or with an a r or just dealing with the amount of transparency that there can be in the best of worlds and in the, in the worst situations between a label and an artist as you work towards getting a release out and then once it's out? Kind of executing best on the marketing and all the other pieces that kind of happen afterwards.
1: I do have some advice on that on that point. Um, I think first and foremost, it is important to speak to friends in the industry who have had experiences with labels that you're you're interested in working with, and just get firsthand accounts of what that experience was like. You know, I I ideally want artists on Silk to come away with an experience, regardless of how many streams the song got, to at least have the ability to say, you know what, the best thing about it was just, or one of the best things about it was that we just felt really supported by Monster Cat's team. We always felt like Jacob or Max Flyant or any of our extended team was there for us when we had a question and they were honest and transparent and appeared to answer questions to the best of their ability and in a way that was reliable and accountable. I think that the word the word travels fast about, you know, which labels are capable of that standard and which labels aren't. And that's a, a very key insight early on for an artist before before you even decide who you want to send your music to. Um, secondly, I think it's important to have that conversation before you sign a release to a label as as to what are our targets, what what should the expectations be, how do we define really like what what a successful campaign looks like, given historically how I've done as an artist or we've done as as artists or you know how the label has has performed. Let's gather all that information and have an open conversation about it upfront. And that way, you know, when it comes to the release day or in the weeks thereafter, everyone is sort of on the same wavelength as to you know what, what we were really shooting for and, and, and gunning for for targets.
0: How often do those conversations actually happen? I mean, I'm only asked because I've never asked those questions of a label with any label that I've signed. And anytime I'm doing label work, no artist has ever posed that type, type of conversation. It's mostly like, here's my demo. Do you like it? Yes. No. Okay. Let's move forward. Okay. Great. Boom.
1: I, I really can't speak for our, our friendly competitors, but you know, I can speak for myself and for Monster Cat. That's, it's very much part of our protocols. That are inherently in place when we when we work with artists and we begin that process of evaluating and considering a, a song or a group of songs to be signed. We want to have that conversation as soon as possible um, around you know aligning with an artist or an artist manager or both around what they're hoping to achieve. I will then share candidly what I think is in play, what might be possible. We we rarely can ever make a guarantee. Of a certain type, you know, that we can achieve a certain goal unless we have an immediate answer available to us, which is certainly rare. To you know, to have that level of of clarity around how how well a release is going to perform, or which partners are going to be excited about the release enough to support it in a, in a unique way. Um, yeah, I can say in good faith to you today on this you know on this call that it's absolutely part of our process and it's really like in the, it's in the labels interest as well. Right. Because we don't, we don't want to create a situation where if expect expectations are too far um, misaligned, then we're just kind of setting ourselves up for a really uncomfortable conversation down the road.
0: So if someone's hearing this right now and they're like, damn, this is awesome. I've never even thought about approaching a label and having these conversations after they want to sign one of my songs. What do you think are like the most high value two questions? An artist can be asking a label before signing a contract. Yeah.
1: Well, I think, I think obviously there's, there's sort of the fine print of the contract and just making sure that all the terms are, are acceptable and comfortable for the artist and, and, you know, their management team, if, if, if that applies. Um, but in terms of like, you know, promotional marketing considerations, I think just directly addressing that question of like, what, what are, what are our optimal targets for this release? What, what, you know, what playlists would our most, you know, in play for this particular single or EP or album and um what potential you know partnership opportunities are there for the song out in the in the world of sync and licensing. And if if I don't think that those opportunities exist, then it's my responsibility to to say that. You know, that I I'm just not sure that this particular release has that opportunity. But more often I'm going to be inclined to you know to to mention any any proactively any opportunities that I think are available and bring those to the table even if the artist hasn't mentioned, asked me this question, I, I want, I want the artist to be aware that I think that this specific release is a perfect candidate for X, Y, and Z. And and that actually kind of focuses the A&R discussion around like how, are, what tweaks are we going to make to the song, if any, to cater to or accommodate that particular opportunity area.
0: Totally. And it sounds like some of these conversations, you know, with with management and the artist itself, like, tough questions are asked right like and sometimes tough answers are had to be given when when is being transparent the most difficult when operating in the music industry not only as an artist but also as you know someone more on the on the industry like label side as well
1: that's an awesome question and i have a very specific answer it's when an artist and or their manager or managers come at come at us with an expectation that is very obviously too lofty for what we think is possible from our experience, maybe it's a specific amount of streams or a specific amount of engagement in some way that we just don't think there's a, there's enough evidence to suggest that that is an, a a likely achievable goal. It doesn't mean that we can't achieve it. it. Doesn't mean that we we shouldn't strive to achieve it. But if that's the if it, there's a fundamental assumption happening that that should be very much a comfortable expectation to be met, I would rather have a transparent conversation up front and say, let's look at these trends or this historical data. And let's look at look at how this might, you know, may or may not be a realistic expectation.
0: It's interesting that that that's like the the example that you give and that to make total sense. But I only say that because like a situation like that just seems so black and white to me, you know, someone approaches and says, I expect to get a million plays when I sign this record and blah, blah, blah. And being transparent, the reply, at least from my perspective, it'd be very easy to tell them, you know, that's kind of too lofty. These are more realistic. And from my perspective, it'd be almost be harder to be transparent when the waters are muddier, when they ask for something that's within reach, but you can't exactly promise it. That's where it seemed like it would be harder to be more transparent. But I guess, I guess, I mean, what you said is completely right too, right? And I'm not saying my answer is correct I think- and that yours is wrong or anything. Yeah. It's just like that's where my brain instantly
1: went. I think in that scenario, the way that I would typically reply is, yeah, that actually seems like an interesting and, you know, and, and like a realistic possibility, you know, but I can't guarantee that we can achieve that win, that opportunity, but I will put that forward as a target because I think that's something that is very much within reason of the type of goals we should be achieving for this campaign.
0: Well, yeah, and that's kind of a good segue to the next question too, right? Is that, cause like sometimes an artist might come to the table and they have these expectations, not or demands or whatever. And they say, hey, I'm gonna get, I want a million plays on this song. And if we don't get that, then this record's kind of a failure when there's no way that's even possible, right? And so maybe on the flip side, maybe they're not being completely transparent with their ambitions. If a smaller artist is expecting to headline Coachella a year after getting into producing, Maybe they're not being realistic. Maybe they're not being completely transparent with themselves and with you about what they can bring to the table as well. Um, So what are some red flags that you see when you can tell people aren't being completely transparent uh, with honest conversations that you're having
1: with them? I would never blame an artist or a manager for having lofty goals. You know, I I would never accuse them of a lack of transparency. I mean, you could make the argument that it's in their interest to shoot as high as possible. And you know, all we can do is say, "Yeah, I I appreciate that i that vision, but it might just not be realistic." So, I'm not sure I'm comfortable going as far as to saying that's a, a that's a red flag of a lack of transparency. I think you know a more black and white example would be literally just misrepresenting your past accomplishments in some way, or using the manipulating the data of your past successes in a way that doesn't actually paint a, a full picture of what may have happened and again I I don't I, when that happens it's often not deliberate but it just requires us to kind of dig a little bit deeper and look at look into you know those those past wins and achievements and just make sure that that actually indicates that there's an opportunity to continue to achieve those type of goals or, or even go higher I know that's that's not very specific but that's probably about as specific as I'm comfortable getting because I really again I I, I have a very positive and favorable interpretation of this process from the, from, from the artist's perspective, where like, it's just, it's very easy for someone to get overly excited about a song because it's, you know, it's a child, it's, it's, it's your baby and you're putting it out in the world. And if you really believe in the song, of course, you, the vision, the fantasy is that it's going to be you know, a, a big hit that year. And unfortunately there's just so many other factors within control, our control and mostly outside of our control that can lead to a song being a hit or not being a hit.
0: As an A&R, right, like it's your job to kind of like foster the artists on the label, help them get to a point where like they're making the best artists possible uh, and everything like that. And I'm sure there are certain parallels with that role and your role in your like your personal life, right? With a family and everything like that. How do you teach transparency to your colleagues, to your artists, to the ones you mentor, to everyone you kind of encounter in
1: life? I think modeling it is the most important thing, right? You have to, you have to practice what you preach. So, there's no way that I can teach transparency in quotes to, if, unless I'm, I'm an exemplar of transparency. So, I, I do my best to advocate it in, in, in my actual day to day practice of as an AR. I think a really important consideration is just the risk. That people feel, whether it's rational or not, about being hyper transparent and and recognizing that risk and that fear of you could almost say it's like a fear of vulnerability or a fear of some kind of negative consequence or backlash to that level of of candor and transparency. And that's that that's completely reasonable that someone would feel that way. If, for example, they're suggesting something that isn't that flattering, if you're saying something like, I'm not sure that we can achieve this, I'm not sure we have the ability to accomplish this, obviously, there's going to be a a natural defensiveness and insecurity around sharing anything that might be viewed as unflattering to yourself or to the business. And so having the, the, the confidence and the trust in the principle of transparency enough to overcome that fear of vulnerability and sort of defensiveness and insecurity we have, about sharing what could be perceived as negative things, or 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 negative feedback, or disappointing feedback. That's the most important obstacle to overcome. And um, creating creating a comfortable and sort of safe space for your colleagues and for you know, in my case, my relationship with artists is the best that I can do to achieve to to, to hope to achieve a reciprocal transparency. It's just letting it's sort of modeling the lack of judgment, the lack of anger, frustration, disappointment when someone shares something with me that is a little bit maybe unsettling or disappointing about part of a project that we're working on or some part of the process of our of our work. And, and just instead of responding negatively, actually reinforcing how appreciative I am to have that level of candor is is the most important thing I can do.
0: You made some really good points in there too, right? And like, just in, as you were ex- explaining that, right? You touched upon a lot of other character traits of yourself or at least character traits that you that you do your best to, to be on a daily day basis, right? So what do you think goes into being transparent? Compassionate, understanding, probably mindful, right? In the fact of like, you know, not getting too much inside your head and being able to effectively kind of communicate stuff without letting your ego
1: take over. What What else do you think? Yeah, you touched on a few really important attributes there. Um, yeah, I think it's, I I think just the notion of sort of authenticity and sincerity, um, and, and being comfortable living in that emotional space, that murky emotional terrain of like, I, I too am disappointed about this. I too am excited about this. Being willing to open yourself up to sort of more emotional feedback like that, I think is a, is a really strong, at the very least, implicit clue, maybe explicit explicit clue that you're dealing with someone that has integrity, that you're dealing with someone that believes in transparency, Um, rather than kind of keeping it in this hyper objective space, very black and white space where, you know, you're, you could be accused of maybe being a little bit too robotic and not really like human enough with the individual or team you're working with to when you're sharing this kind of feedback. Mm-hmm.
0: And so if someone, you know, this 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 might be a, a bit of an odder question, but if someone, you know, is like, here's this conversation and they're like, damn, they touched on some awesome points right there. I want to start enacting this in my own career or in my own life on a day-to-day basis, but I don't know where to start. What are like two or three small steps someone can start doing to just be more transparent across everything? Be answering emails or, you know, communicating with a label or uh, producing music in their
1: DAW by themselves, whatever. Yeah, I think, you know, start with people who you really trust. And if you haven't tried, if you haven't tried it out already, (laughs) bring transparency into the relationships where you feel the most comfort and confidence, and then slowly work your way out to the relationships that are have the least amount of emotional overlay and have the least amount of like history. In other words, just even like the most sort of tenuous professional relationships, you know, that would be like the end the end game, you know, but start with people that you really know and trust. And, you know, a key word that I think we have to bring in this conversation that that is so integral to effective transparency is tact, right? We haven't talked about tact. It's possible to it's possible to be transparent in a way that's actually not constructive if you're not if you're not tactful. So it's very important to be mindful of tact and delivering messages in a way that's respectful and sensitive and thoughtful. That's obviously a very subjective thing and it's an open interpretation as to what that looks like. But I think if you have that filter in mind that you're delivering something, a piece of information, especially when we're we're talking about art, you're delivering information that could be perceived as literally the most personal thing that you could say to somebody is, is providing feedback about their art. I think if you approach it with that level of reverence and respect and sensitivity, and you're communicating that through the words, that there's there's appreciation and understanding alongside the concern, alongside the, I, I would love to hear this, this, and this for these reasons, then you have a much better chance of an optimal response from whoever you're working with.
0: Yeah, there is no one size fix fits all kind of unilateral answer to that, right? Because the music industry especially is filled with so many different types of personalities and everyone can be transparent in their own way, but just because one answer to one artist worked with them and that made them you know, feel supported and welcomed and everything doesn't mean the same is gonna be applicable to the next artist that comes comes along, right? And so tact is, there's no way to answer or teach tact other than either through practice or mindfulness or whatever, because it's going to change on every artist, every project, everything that you work on, every person that
1: you can encounter. Exactly. And, you know, I've 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 heard examples of of like so-called radical honesty that like I'm not comfortable with that might actually be in a vacuum the most appropriate way to engage with people in, in order to like maintain this standard of of truthfulness, of honesty and sincerity. But like, to me, this don't have enough tact attached to it. You know, I, I don't know if this is a perfect example, but I I, I remember hearing an anecdote about a guy that went a, a whole year of like, of answering questions without even a shred of white, white lies entering into the equation or sort of like fudging truths to make people feel better about themselves. So for example, people would ask like, if they asked like, hey, you want to go out Friday night, hang out, have a drink? He would literally just say, I'm sorry, I don't wish, wish to engage with you socially. <laughs> Whoa. And, and that's actually that's actually a very truthful and transparent answer, but I'm not at a point yet in my life where I feel that level of confidence that if I could say that to someone, it, it, it feels too risky for me. Like I feel too vulnerable where I'd be too scared of offending the person. You know, a lot of us, we do things that we don't, we wish we prefer not to do, but we do them because we're afraid to offend people. And I kind of admire that, that, commitment that he had this particular i think it was an author of note forgetting his name but um that example of being like even in that case that we all we all we all sort of skirt around the truth in our real lives he chose to go all in and even in those examples he was like no i'm sorry not not interested basically and this wasn't the jim carrey
0: film liar liar where Jim Carrey couldn't tell a lie. <laughs> well, it, it, it,
1: essentially it, it is, right? But it's, you know, the question is like, wh- where is that line of transparency? Even even at risk of being offensive, what level of tact do you need to bring into your your communication? And what does that look like? And what kind of language is considered to be like overly nice, too tactful, where it almost seems like that's, you know, you can be overly nice where that comes across as disingenuous. Right. And then you're like, you're, you you actually end up self-sabotaging because Mm -hmm. you just come across as a fraud. Yeah. So, so there's, there's some sweet spot there, right? There's a sweet spot in the middle where you can be candid, I think tactful, and it comes across as genuine.
0: What was like a validating anecdote in your life? Uh, or a turning point or an aha moment when you really first started to realize the value of being transparent in the music
1: industry? I think that the evidence, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Um, you, you see it in terms of how people reply to you by email. I think it's much more important to look at it long-term and, and, and evaluate it, you know, after you've been in the industry for a while and sort of look at the relationships you've been able to maintain and, and not only maintain, but grow. You know, as human beings, we typically don't associate with, with people that have a a track record of being unreliable unaccountable not respectful not sensitive and so you know if there are if there are a number of artists that i i respect and i feel like have a a great level of transparency and accountability that have decided that they're not comfortable working with me then i have to look hard at myself to see you know how i can improve my communication and the flip side on the flip side you know if if i've been able to maintain core relationships with you know with colleagues, with artists, with fans. You know, we're now going into our almost our 15th year at Silk. To me, that's the ultimate measure of, you know, having a a track record of of, of transparency. And I'd like to think that that's been an important ingredient for Silk through the years is that our team, I think, has treated artists, especially artists, with extraordinary amount of sensitivity and respect and transparency. In fact, I'd probably put that very close to the top to what I think has allowed us to have the longevity as a label.
0: And so, you know, kind of looking back over the past 15 years and probably even before then, before you had kind of gotten affiliated with Silk and stuff, what's something that you wish you had learned earlier about transparency and being transparent?
1: I think my struggle is that I actually can, and I use this term before, I can be overly nice. I can actually go too far, and there are times where I've bit my tongue, and I, I, I don't regret not saying something nasty or mean-spirited, but I do regret a few cases that come to mind where I maybe didn't advocate for myself fully, um, didn't share my concerns or frustrations or disappointments with a particular person or people in the industry. And you know what I ended up what ended up happening in those cases is that I kind of postponed the inevitable. Like I'm just kind of kicking the can down the road of like, there's gonna be a blow up eventually that is fatal that is that ends up being divisive, and so yeah sure I put a band aid on it now and I prevented a drama now but inevitably this is all I'm doing is kind of creating more a more explosive situation down the road in a way, Um, so I think it's you know that was about building the confidence and sort of the self respect and personal dignity to the point where. I felt more comfortable, you know, having boundaries, being clear about what my expectations were, and what what makes me uncomfortable about a particular relationship.
0: Totally. And that kind of harkens back to the question we'd asked 20 minutes ago, or something about all the different kind of character traits and qualities that that someone can exemplify or at least strive for that are all kind of packaged uh, in in the in a bundle and kind of presented as being transparent, right? Confident, uh, mindful, honest um self assured all that kind of stuff definitely um so kind of in closing, at least the final question that I have on my docket uh is is uh what do you think most people and the industry overall gets completely wrong about being transparent or transparency
1: just like the the sort of old the the, the not old but the 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 stereotypical a n r that's like you know cocky egotistical acts like You know, it's your privilege to finally have the opportunity to work with me and to work with the label that I represent. And to think that that actually is something that builds trust and respect. There are professionals like that that have been very successful. I'm not suggesting that it's black and white, but that's just not a roadmap that feel, or that's not an approach that speaks to me or feels comfortable to me. And, And it certainly hasn't proven to be effective in, in my experience. Um, maybe it depends on what niche you're in or sort of you know the, the subculture of the industry that you're working in. But um, you know, silk is all about sincere emotions and being soulful and truthful to yourself and, and sharing those feelings in, in artistic form and musical form. And so if I don't embody those skill those qualities as an A I'm contradicting the entire message and brand of silk in a way sort of sort of sort of a paradox so it's very important to me that i continue to to exhibit those qualities myself
0: yeah i think that's a goodly good point too because it's like there is a stereotype that you know those ANRs are out there but from my experience they're they're not the majority and that the most of the people who are in this and maybe it's just the niche that i'm working in and you and i kind of work in the same genres of music and the same styles but most of them are like really good people you personally have introduced me to three or four friends now that i consider quite close friends uh in the music industry and it all kind of comes down to the main ethos of you know being transparent being being a good person and just like being an effective communicator overall and then aligning yourself with people um, who have similar values i guess and silk is kind of like the the embodiment of that in record label form where everyone who works in it is is the people who run it
1: that's very sweet of you to say that no i guess another point that i want to make is i've kind of been talking about what an A&R needs to do or needs to, who they should be to be effective and the qualities that they should demonstrate. I guess I also want to note that like, you know, if you're dealing with a sensitive person and a person who you actually believe to be genuine and honest, I'm talking about actually from the artist perspective, if you're working with an A&R that exhibits those qualities, I would also remind artists that it's, you know, it's important to recognize that we take it very seriously, that we're sort of Putting ourselves in a position where we're, we're kind of accountable for your hopes and dreams and your expectations, and that weighs very very heavily on us, especially at scale. When we're talking about releasing, you know, maybe a song every week or a release every week, that's a lot of responsibility. And for a lot of ANRs, they they eventually get ex- tired out by that, and they, they they feel defeated, and resigned by that expectation. And um, I, I guess I'm bringing that up because I just wanted to kind of share the insight that you know if if you're an artist and you're feeling like you're not always getting that 100 percent from an anr in terms of what your standard of accountability is it might not be black and white it might be that they're going through something themselves personally that's really difficult but they can't really share it in a professional context or they're a bit overwhelmed at that moment by a lot of other pro- a lot of projects that they're dealing with outside of the the one project that the artist is focused on And, um, you know, a million other things that could be going on behind the scenes. Uh, So, yeah, I think it's, you know, hopefully it's, you know, a reciprocal thing, right? We're we're talking about transparency now from both sides. And part of that being the respect and tact and sensitivity aspect, you know, as well. So.
0: So kind of in closing, I mean, I, I kind of asked a lot of questions over the last 45 minutes or so, but is there anything that I missed about about this, this word transparency or any other kind of musings that you wanted to share that we might not have touched upon or skipped over um, or any other just like words
1: of wisdom to our beloved listeners? Well, I just want to say I, I so enjoy this, this discussion, Will. And, you know, you and I go back years now, as you said. So it's, it's extra special for me because you and I um, have worked together with Silk in the past. You've been a great support with Silk. You've shared a lot of ideas, from, especially on the marketing side, and have been able to account, encapsulate sort of the essence of our releases and in, in, in helping with even with like liner notes in the past for our releases. So thank you. And this is a beautiful full, full circle moment for me to work, be talking to you right now. Um, yeah, if I had to, if I guess if I had to share a parting thought, it would just be for me, you know, what I do for a living is so much more than a job. I mean, it's, it's really quite sacred to me, you know, to be working with music every day. And, and I guess it comes easily to me to treat this process with that, with that level of reverence and kind of treating the the, the art itself as being sacred in some way, because I see how much of an impact it makes on, on fans and, and they comment to that extent, you know? on our, on our social media and our YouTube saying things like this song really helped me through a bad day and a bad week, or, you know, changed my life in some fundamental way. So I carry that reverence with me when I, when I communicate with artists, especially. Um, But there, there there is a dark side to that. The dark side is all this emotional energy around what you do. It has, it it can really stay with you 24 seven. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so it's so tempting to turn off the transparency gear. You know, it's or it's, it's so easy to want to like detach yourself from that pain and vulnerability of experiencing not just the highs but the lows and disappointments as well. So I just want to share with you know the artists out there, especially as well as like my peers that are on the A and R side, that like you know I I feel I feel you in terms of your struggle with that and the highs and lows that this industry brings in terms of the hopes you have and you carry with each and every release. And I want you to know that like, that's a very real thing. And I've had many, many sleepless nights dealing with those highs and lows. And I'm still here because I just love, love, love having the privilege of working with wonderful musicians and the the art that they create. And if you can kind of hold on to that, just how privileged you are to be part of that process and experience and not just focus on potential disappointments I think you can garner enough grit and fortitude to kind of get through the bumps.
0: Alright everybody, that's a wrap for this week's episode. Hopefully you came away learning some valuable stuff about transparency, communication with A&Rs, building lasting relationships, and the benefits of lofty goals versus realistic expectations. I want to apologize one more time for that unannounced hiatus over the new year, but rest assured that we will be back in two weeks with another great chat where we will be diving into the word growth and how artists and labels can consistently be pushing themselves to new heights regardless of the hardships that life and music throws at you. Sometime between now and and then, head over to pointblankmusicschool.com and check out everything that this premier music school has to offer. Remember that it's not just for producers and would-be professionals. Point Blank can help you learn to DJ, manage artists in this industry, they even started their own podcasting course. The point is, whether you want to be playing big festivals, signed to your favorite labels, playing at your local club, or just making the music that's in your head, Point Blank has you covered. We'll be back in a few weeks, but that's all for now.